Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental business community. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke, founder and CEO of Practice Quotient PPO Analysis and Negotiation and um, national public speaker. You can find out more at www.patrickorourke.me. O'Rourke is spelled O-R-O-U-R-K-E for those of you who don't have Irish friends. Um, Now, I am very excited today to chat with Dr. Terrell Proper. Um, out of Nashville, Tennessee, one of my favorite cities, and anybody who's ever been there, actually, I would I would imagine. Uh, Terrell, how are you? Doing great today, Patrick. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, Terrell, you are in a unique position where you are part of one of the, you know, one of the only endodontic DSO type um, organizations that's uh, very fast growing, I would imagine. Um, so I would like you to introduce kind of yourself to the audience and let's get your background first and then how you came to be involved with the organization. Sure. Well, I am originally from New Orleans and uh, went to college in New Orleans. I went to dental school in Memphis at the University of Tennessee And I uh, went to graduate school at UNC Chapel Hill and received my master's in science and endodontics. Uh, I joined a practice here in Nashville. I've been the um, American Dental Association assistant director of marketing is in my background. I've been president of the American Association of Endodontists. I've been president of the Tennessee Dental Association. And I was CEO and managing partner of a three-location, eight-doctor endodontic group here in Nashville that's 60 years old. So uh, one of the premier endodontic practices uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, After being with that practice for 30 years, I decided to retire in January of 2019. I planned on opening a boutique consulting firm that did marketing for specialty dental practices and Uh, During the time that I was looking to set up an office, I was called from our CEO, Sam Hutchison, who's got an MBA from Vanderbilt and worked in the medical field in mergers and acquisitions. And we sat down and talked about forming a company specifically for endodontists, run by endodontists, founded by myself and Sam Hutchison and our COO. And, uh, we went to private equity firms and they were very interested. We got several officers. We picked one and we got started. Okay. How long ago was that? It was in 2019. Mm-hmm. And we've doubled our size each year. We're uh, across the United States. Um, we like to think of ourselves as a specialty uh support organization because we only serve the endodontic field. We're exclusive at this time to just endodontists. Mm -hmm. And so the, so you've doubled in size. If you're based out of Nashville, is that, is that growth primarily in the South or Southeastern United States? I'm just curious. No, we're, we're in uh, Washington state. We're in Oregon, Michigan, 
Massachusetts, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida. We're across, uh, you know, the different time zones. We're not on the West Coast at this time. Uh, we appeal to a specific uh, endodontist, uh, uh, mid-age, 48 is our average age, uh, and we like to think that we're unique in the field because we are exclusive to endodontists. We haven't diversified into other specialties, and we're very uh, endodontic-focused forward, I would say. Very focused on the doctor and patient and referral and uh, happy doctors send other happy doctors. So that's our focus. Mm -hmm. I like it. So uh, just for uh, John Ray uh, with me, as always, is DJ John Ray on the, you know, the mixed tables over there. Endo is root canals. They're specialists that do root canals. So when she was talking about how she got her, her dental degree and then she did a residency, um, it's for root canals. So, um, just, just for John Ray and maybe any of our other listeners that aren't familiar. Right. Our primary focus is saving teeth uh, through trauma or cavities or uh, cracks or a variety of other reasons that you might need a root canal. Pain is a big driver, uh, but, but uh, endodontists also do surgical procedures, root end procedures to save a tooth and, uh, bleaching, and a number of other scope of services that are within our specialty. Mm -hmm. Many dentists do implants. Uh, and so it's a, it's a narrow field. It's a narrow specialty, but there are a lot of components within the specialty. Indeed. You know, there's endodontist to me, when you need a root canal, baby, you need a root canal and it doesn't matter. Um, I remember the last time I needed a root canal, which was quite a while ago, but Nothing else mattered until I got to, into that chair. Yeah. Um, Pain is a good motivator. Mm -hmm. Pain is an excellent motivator. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious, what draws, is there any common draw for somebody who's getting their dental degree? And then, you know, you could be, you know, I think the draw for a pediatric specialist is obvious, right? I like kids. So they're going to be pedo and some, you know, oral surgeons, you know, have probably some reasons why they're going into that. Is there any common specific thing that, that usually draws folks into the specialty? Well, I think there are a couple of things, uh, you know, you get great satisfaction in a pa patient coming in in pain and a patient leaving out of pain or within a day or so they'll be out of pain. Uh, it's also a referral-based specialty where the majority of our patients come from family dentists that refer to specialists that they trust. And so that's a big driver. Uh, another driver could be that uh, you see a patient once or twice for a root canal. You don't follow them their entire lives as you do when you're a general dentist. I was a general dentist first uh, that gave me a lot of really good background to become a specialist. Uh, but I think an advantage of being a specialist is you only do one thing and you do it really, really well. You're an expert in your field. So general dentists are taught to do root canals, but the expertise is really after you've done a residency and you become a specialist because there's a lot of variation in teeth. There's a lot of variation in people. 
And so being an expert and only doing one thing really makes you good at what you do. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Is there more endodontists today than there were 10 years ago or less? Actually, it's about the same. There have been a few new programs, about 204 residents graduate from endodontic programs across the United States, including military programs. Mm -hmm. And that's been relatively stable. Maybe there have been just a few new programs that have opened, but basically it's relatively the same. Gotcha. And as far as, is there, is it a male dominated field? Well, quite frankly, it's been a, been a very heavily male dominated field until maybe the last, I would say eight years where most of the dental school classes are 50, 50 female male. And now most of the endodontic programs are about 50, 50. And so uh, way more females in the whole dental world as a whole. Uh, In my graduating class, I had 150 uh, students, and out of the 150, we had eight females. So it's quite different than it was when I graduated. I've been out a long time. I've you know practiced for 40 years, and I love seeing the trend. I love seeing where it's going, and uh, women in the field have made a difference in the workplace, in the marketplace, and they bring different things to a practice that a male can't bring, and I just think it's Fabulous that we're seeing more women in leadership, more women at the board table, more women in dental uh, administration and dental politics. So uh, it's it's a wide open field for women who want to be active in their organizations. Absolutely. And so you're, you know, maybe you don't use the word, but do you feel like maybe you helped blaze that trail a little bit because you were one of the, one of the first ones to... Well, as far as I know, Patrick, I am the sole female in the C-suite in the endodontic-focused support organizations uh, in the marketplace. And it's a unique place to be because it gives you the opportunity to be a role model for the younger female uh, dentists that are coming up. And... uh, I don't want to brag on myself, but I'm very proud of the fact that I was the first female president of the Tennessee Dental Association in 153 years. So there were two females that followed me, but I was fortunately in the right place to be the first female and to uh, set the stage for others that followed me. That's awesome. That that really is an accomplishment. You are traveling. Very exciting. You're the you're the female Daniel, Daniel Boone. Uh, maybe Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley, I'll buy that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that that feels good. And then right after you, there's a couple more. And right. so do you think that as there's been more and more females in leadership and in dentistry in general? have how has the market as a whole because this what we're in is kind of the the it's a niche right i call it the you know this little niche business i 
you know, when I explain my own business, but I'm like, look, you're not going to get it. It's a niche. Um, the dental niche, if you will here. Um, how has, how have, I know that there's some DSOs that have responded to women allowing them to, for benefits, maternity leave, et cetera. But how about the market as a whole, when it comes to, I don't know, all of the things that you need in order to perform, um, high level dentistry, a high level and bring a high level caliber of care and deliver the best possible patient outcomes. Um, how has all of the other participants within on that journey also responded to this? Well, I'd say relatively new trend, but relatively, yeah. Well, you know, women, uh, as a whole, are more active in business. You're seeing more women in CEO positions. You're seeing more women at the board table. You're seeing more women get involved at the grassroots level. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, quite frankly, in the specialty of dentistry, uh, it's it could become women-dominated in the next 10 years. Uh, but certainly women have every opportunity to be as successful as they want to be to own their own practices. Uh, so much of the drive toward the support organizations uh, and recruiting residents to enter uh, these support organizations is the fact that student debt has just spiraled out of control. So the students are looking for an instant paycheck. And so many of the uh, support organizations in the market are recruiting heavily uh, dental school graduates and residency graduates and endodontists, uh, especially a specialty like endodontics that has a very low number of residents that are uh, graduating each year. It's a very competitive market. And so we have to be endodontic practice partners or EPP have to be at the top of our game to attract the brightest and the best residents. And we feel like that's exactly where we are. So let's say that I am the brightest and the best. Uh, I, I can't say okay. I've ever been accused of that, but let's just say for the sake of conversation here, and you find me at the residency program and I want to go hang out at the pool or do whatever it is that, uh, you know, young Patrick O'Rourke likes to do. Um, and you guys say, Hey, listen, Pat, um, you need to think about joining an EPP. And this is why, this is why we're awesome. What would you tell me? Well, this is exactly what I tell you because I tell it to residents every every time I talk to them. What you're joining is a private practice, an endodontic private practice, well-established, state-of-the-art, uh, well-respected in the community, reputable, and people that you want to go to dinner with, people that you will like, staffs that are established, uh, processes that are in place. And you will be entering a private practice. It just so happens that that private practice is supported on the management and business side by EPP. So you treat the patients you, the way you want to treat them. You treatment plan the way you want a treatment plan. You use the instrumentation that you're comfortable with. You provide the top patient care you can give. We want the patient to have a good experience. We want the staff to have a good experience. And we want the patient to leave happy. We want the referring dentist to be happy. But most of all, we want the staff and the endodontist 
to be happy. So we're about clinical care, but we're also about uh, uh, building in efficiencies in practices that the practitioner might not see or might not have time or resources to pay attention to. So those are the things we bring to the practice, expertise and resources. Well, you know, let's say I'm from a small town and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I just hang my shingle right out there and I'm just going to say I do root canals and I know all the people in town. Uh, my family's lived there for a couple generations. You know, what, uh, what's in it for you guys? Well, I'm not sure what question you're asking, Patrick, but I think what you're asking is, is there still a place for someone to open their own practice and be successful? Yes, there's always a place for that. Uh, But we can bring resources and business acumen to even a solo practitioner who's just getting started. Uh, In fact, we love We love offices like that because we can help mold the direction the practice is going to in the beginning. Uh, I think that some people have a general misconception about a dental support organization. Uh, When it's applied to a specialty, it's a different beast than it is when it's applied to a general practice. Uh, And I think that a lot of people equate a general practice DSO with a specialty services organization like ours, because we're focused keenly on the endodontist endodontist and endodontic experience. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate a a little bit. We're I'm real familiar with, you know, specialties, um, Amos, I'll be speaking to Amos in San Diego, uh, plug, if you don't get enough of my compelling rhetoric today and you happen to be in the oral surgery space. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, and I've, you know, had several folks on the show is that not all um, DSOs and, and or specialty support organizations are the same. Um, sometimes they, they kind of get lumped in a bucket, but they're not all the same. You know, there's different focuses, different niches, different methodologies, different strategies, both internal and external. Um, and so, what I see sometimes when I'm out at a committee or out at a convention or something is that, you know, and I call them the kids, right. I'm just, I'm not that, you know, but the kids, there's a bunch of folks that are like, Hey, you guys should come talk to us. Right. And you guys need to come work for us. And so I know that a lot of those uh, kids listen to the show and, and so they may get kind of pitched out, you know, by the time they're talking to the fourth or the fifth booth. Right. Um, and they just want to go to the pool and get a tan and relax. Uh, and so I guess what I'm trying to say there's, is there any catches, right? Cause if it was me and I was walking around, I would just be like, all right, so I heard this. We're doctor centric as I, I do hear that now. What's what's in it for me is that I don't have to worry about business part, right? Because I don't know much about business. I just graduated, right? And I got all of this debt, right? Have I ever hired anybody or managed anybody? No, right? And I don't know how painful that's going to be until I actually do it, right? I get it. Um, there's, there's, I think that there's probably something that you guys are going to tell, you know, the best and the brightest, Pat, that why he needs to come to EPP. And then are 
is, am I starting my own practice? Or are you putting the best and the brightest? And you're saying, hey, Pat, do you want to go to D.C. or do you want to go to Atlanta or do you want to go to Nashville? Like, how does it work? And because I, I, cause I really don't know because I'm not the best and the brightest. Usually. So it works both ways. The majority of the time we place new residents in established practices, well-established practices in demographic areas and locales where people are going to want to live. Uh, because when we select practices that we partner with, we select practices in growing areas where people are going to want to live because that's where the endodontic market is. And I think that one component that we offer is not only the business support, but we offer the ability for the senior doctor or the other doctors in the group to mentor a new practitioner because, you know, you learn a lot in your residency, but what you really learn when you really learn is when you're in practice, you know, that's why they call it practice because you practice a lot on people. And so oftentimes a new resident needs some mentorship, needs some guidance clinically or communication wise or uh, working with referring doctors. You know, sometimes there's challenges and the uh, older, more mature doctor can impart wisdom upon some of the new graduates. Uh, amen to that. I think everybody can serve. Uh, I, you know, I big believer in Napoleon Hill, the mastermind Alliance, um, you know, be in order to attain wisdom, you really need to access different perspectives from folks. Um, you know, that's right. It's very lonesome. It's very lonesome to practice by yourself, especially in a, in a field like endodontics. It's very tedious. We use a microscope. We use a 3d, you know, imaging to, to diagnose and treatment plan. And, and it's helpful to have someone else to confer with, to look at a case with and, uh, we have a very, very high success rate with the residents that we've brought into our practices. The residents have an opportunity to buy into the practice as a partner. Uh, they buy into a holding company. They have uh, stock in the company. So they're actually owners in the company, as are all of our doctors that affiliate with us. So it's not the big bad wolf company telling our doctors how they're going to practice. It's our doctors deciding how they want to practice on their terms with some guidance from EPP. Gotcha. And then they don't have to worry about managing people um, for, for the most part. Right. Because all, you know, all support organizations provide HR services, payroll services, accounts payable, rev cycle, insurance verification, IT, uh, HR, uh, benefit packages, you know, most of the support organizations do in general the same kind of provide the same kind of services, but it's who the people are that are in the management team, uh, what the attitude is, what the vision is, what the core values are of the company that make a difference in the whole culture of the company. And it's culture that you're really selling. You know, here's three companies. We all have a different culture. We all have a different approach. We all have a different strategy and we all have a similar endpoint. but it's how are you going to get there and who are you going to get there with? That's excellent. I, I like how you put that. You just nailed it. 
That's well, it's really the truth. I mean, you can go out and look for a car. All the cars are going to get you where you're going, but you know, which bells and whistles do you want? And you know, what kind of comfort do you want? So it's similar with a, a specialty support organization like ours. Uh, there's competition in the market. We're one of the youngest companies in the market, but we're going to be very successful because of the people that are in our management, uh, you know, in our C-suite. We have expertise. We have, uh, we're approachable. We're down to earth. Uh, we don't try to be somebody that we're not. We're transparent. Uh, we want our we want our doctors to be happy because happy doctors refer their friends, right? And uh, it's about growth. We want to grow the practices. We want to grow the company. We want to provide opportunities for the new doctors. We want to provide professional development for the more mature doctors. We want to educate the staff. So we have a lot of goals that we want to reach. And, uh, you know, we have tremendous cooperation from our partners. So, you know, we're a young company. uh, We're growing quickly. And uh, I think we provide a tremendous service. I like that. So, Different cars can get you to different places. Um, a Yugo, for example, at one time could have. Right. And a Phantom Rolls Royce. Right. Well, technically, you're going to get you from A to B, but it's going to be a totally different experience. That's correct. You know. Um, and another, right. another thing, Patrick, is EPP uh, keeps the same culture. So if we come in and we partner with the practice, it's uh, still the name of the practice. Uh, It doesn't take on EPP. In fact, we're almost like a silent partner providing practice management, consulting services, and business services. So it retains the culture of the doctor that built it from scratch. Uh, It takes a long time to build a successful endodontic practice. And certainly we want our doctors to maintain their touch and their personal attention to the practice, what they formed and raised, and this is their baby. And, and we want that baby to remain their baby. We just want to help them be more efficient with, uh, with their business practices. That's, that's the main focus of our company. Gotcha. Co, if I could, may put this into my own words. Okay. All right. So let's say that I'm a, an established endo provider. The product really is the docs. It is the providers, right? And it incumbent, and they have relationships and roots in their communities within their professional circles and probably within their civic um, circles as well, their business and civic um, communities, depending on how involved they are. Uh, and so you're looking for somebody that's mid-career that wants to grow, right? But they still want to, if it was my name on there, right? Patrick O'Rourke, you know, O'Rourke Endo, uh, then you're, you're, it's still going to be O'Rourke Endo. You know, you're just, if I'm doing well, you guys want to throw a little bit of gasoline on the bonfire. Right. We want to help the practice grow. Uh, uh, you know, it's, It's hard when you're an endodontist, you're on a schedule every day for eight hours. You don't have, you have a family to go home to and things like marketing. So marketing is something that, you know, it it promotes business for the practice, but it also gets your name out in the community. 
It also can be community supportive. Uh, it can bring in employees that have heard that you're a good place to work. But marketing is one thing that we provide and we do very well at it. And it's something that most endodontists don't do, mainly because it's a pain-driven specialty and patients come in on their own. But in competitive markets, a good marketing plan and a strategic marketing plan can really make a big difference in, in the success of a practice. And, and practices that do little to no marketing will fall by the wayside if a practice that does great marketing uh, is able to uh, get a foothold in the community. So yes to your question, O'Rourke Endodontics is going to be more successful if they partner with EPP than if they stay on their own because of resources and expertise. Would O'Rourke Endodontics be on the Goodyear blimp? That would be cool. Maybe, maybe. It's just, you never know, right? You know, the sky's the limit. If you dream it, uh, we will try to make it happen. That is a lofty goal, but you know. All right. Well, we, we, we'll, we'll start with it. one of those planes at the beach that has a sign on That it. we can do with the trailer yeah. behind it. Okay. Yeah. Really I'll buy that. Listen, that, that's it. you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's, I've been watching. Uh, I'm a, again, I'm a neutral observer. Um, you know, I have clients that are, you know, most of our clients are probably established very <laughs> kind of higher end practices, if you will, right? Just by the very nature of our business, which is, um, we have to go convince the, you know, all of my colleagues at the insurance companies that they need to pay them a little bit more fairly. Hi guys. I know you're listening. It's great to have you here. Um, and you know, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody that uh, they're not in a huge hurry to do that. Um, so one of the things I hear from our established um, specialists is they're like, man, I can't get another resident in here because there's folks at the schools. Um, you guys are probably one of them. And, you know, like it's just the competition is so stiff for the to get. Uh, residents and to get somebody going into the more traditional partnership track, like what has been done in the, you know, oral surgery and the endo world for, for, you know, what decades. Um, and so, you know, me personally, I'm like, look, you should, uh, you why fight city hall? What, what do I tell? Let's say Dr. John Ray, which would make his mama really proud. You know, Dr. John Ray you know, he's got John Ray endodontics over there and, and he's like, I can't get a resident in here and I'm trying to retire, go fishing. Uh, but I don't want to give up my practice either. I want to come in here and blah, blah, blah. And he wants to mentor and do all that stuff. Cause he's a good dude. Right. Um, what do I tell Let's say, uh, Dr. John Ray is my client. Um, and I, this, this conversation happens to me and to my team. So what I, I tell Dr. John Ray, uh, how do I, facilitate an introduction to you guys. I mean, like, listen, John, instead of fighting the current here and trying to swim upstream, right. Why don't you at least have a conversation with them? Maybe they could do some of those things for you too. a find a resident, right. I'm assuming. And just, you know, as long as he's in a desirable place and not like Port-au-Prince, uh, Haiti or something, that's where he vacations. There's nothing wrong with Haiti. 
Oh, I like the 80s. Great. Okay. Um, wow. It was wow. the first thing that popped into my mind, though. Um, some people want to go to Atlanta, live in Buckhead. They want to go to New York, Miami, Los Angeles, San Diego, but they don't want to go to, um, I don't know. Don't say it, Patrick. We, we get the drift. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have a director of recruiting and mentorship with EPP. And if there's a partner doctor who might be interested in hearing what we have to say, then you can reach us on our website at uh, endopracticepartners.com. It's hard for a graduating resident uh, unless they have an endodontist that they've known that they've planned to go in with or someone that they have a family friend in their community. It's difficult for a solo uh, endodontist to find associates now, but it's still possible. Uh, there are a lot of people competing, a lot of companies competing for endodontists. And, uh, you know, it's uh, the residents uh, can come out, they can get signing bonuses and incentives to join uh, companies, companies like ours. Uh, uh, it just depends what the resident's looking for how much debt they're in, where they want to live, how they want to practice. But for your friend, uh, uh, Dr. John, uh, what I would say is I think it's good to explore the market and see what's available. Uh, You would think that a company like ours would uh, attract an older clientele, but it doesn't. Uh, There are a lot of endodontists that still want to grow their practices, but they're confined by resources or time. We have a lot of practices that want to open second offices. We have uh, some de novos uh, that we're starting from scratch. We have uh, group practices, solo practices. We have senior doctors. We have young doctors. Uh, uh, We've helped all of them in different ways. Every practice is unique. And what I can say about our company is I think we try to personalize Uh, the services we provide to the practice we partner with. So we don't have one size that fits all because one size can't possibly fit every endodontist. So this endodontist needs marketing. We provide that. This endodontist has accounts receivable problem. We we provide that. This office wants to recruit a new associate. We provide that. This office has high staff turnover. We try to do whatever we can to maintain staff, to incentivize them or to attract new staff or train the staff. So every practice is different. So uh, Dr. John's looking for an associate, then he needs to you know, put out all the feelers he can and all the different venues he can. But uh, we would be happy to talk to somebody like Dr. John to see how we might be able to help. Gotcha. And certainly there's, Certainly, there's no fee for a consultation. We're happy to talk to anybody at any time. Well, that's good. I, I charge for consultations, and so does, so does John, actually, for that. Well, uh, so you, you got us beat. Um, there you go. So as we talk about the market, the, I I see and have, in my mind, like witnessed and observed uh, a shift. Um, I feel like it started with the general dentist market, and then it got into the specialist market uh, of consolidation, of um, centralizing operations, if you will. And, you know, I I have my own opinions, but, you know, I could do my, I could just interview myself. So I want to, I would like to hear your opinion on, where do you see 
the endo market and by the endo market, I mean the actual provider community itself. Where do you see that going over the course of the next five years or maybe even this decade of the, the roaring twenties? Well, here's what I see. So I'm a student of the dental marketplace. I was president of the American association of endodontists in 2016, you know, consolidation in the medical field has been around for years uh, you know, we have consolidation in oral surgery and orthodontics and pediatric dentistry. You know, Endo is a fairly new market. The first company came to market in 2018, and now it's 2023, and there are approximately five companies in the market. It's a very small slice of the pie, but it's a very uh, important part, uh, particularly if you need a root canal. It is, and I think what what people are learning in the market is the value of consolidation, the value of strength in numbers, the value of being able to go to an insurance company and say, we have however many endodontists and uh, inflation uh, is hitting everyone. Uh, Food is more expensive. Gas is more expensive. Cars are more expensive. Education is more expensive and uh, dental services are more expensive. But, Patrick, not to challenge you, but dental insurance benefits have not kept up with the cost of doing business, the cost of inflation, uh, the cost of supplies. Uh, They just haven't kept up. And so I think that consolidation is probably going to force insurance companies to take another look at the fees they're they're paying. Um, uh, You know, most most patients have a benefit of a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a year. I graduated in nineteen eighty two. I don't think that benefit has gone up. You would know better than I do, but I think consolidation will have an effect on payer rates, and I think that's one thing that we can do for our practices. And we've already seen uh, the needle move in in a positive direction on that. But I think that consolidation will be here to stay over the next decade. And uh, there's always a place for a private practitioner. There's always a place for fee for service. Uh, My mantra is there's always a place for someone that cares about their patients, that does excellent work and has some semblance of uh, community and ethics and professionalism, they'll always survive. They may take longer to build their practice, but there's always a place for people like that. So this model isn't for everybody, but I think in 2023, with what's going on in the economy, joining a company like EPP diversifies your risk and allows you to be part of a bigger group that you wouldn't have had the opportunity to be part of sitting in your office in 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 Buckhead. Mm-hmm. And you very likely have annual meetings in nice places like the Conrad, maybe. If- well, actually, I am out scouting today uh, for a nice hotel for our annual meeting, which will be in November here in Nashville. Uh, the American Association of Endodonts was supposed to meet here in 2020, and the annual meeting was canceled due to COVID. So, We have a lot of people who've never been to Nashville, and I think it's a great place for us to have our annual meeting in the fall. Uh, Yeah, shout out to Conrad and Nashville as a whole. If you have not been there, 
highly, highly recommend it. It's really one of America's treasures. Um, well, you know, you did say something to the, and I'm just going to reiterate this fact um, for all of my friends and colleagues on the other side of the aisle in the insurance industry. Um, I feel there, I'm not going to paint everybody with a brush, but there's um, certainly this decade rates are coming down or not up and the cost of doing business, you just heard it is going up. And so you keep squeezing, keep squeezing. Um, and then this, this is kind of what happens. And that could be one of the pivotal and primary reasons why folks jump into a larger practice is because they feel like they have no chance and they're getting squeezed by um, the larger insurance companies who are also consolidating. Um, whether that's fair or not, this is very true. And so, you know, you and I are on that same same side of the fence. So I'm from the insurance industry, but all of my clients are, you know, providers. So I try to be as neutral as possible, but we represent the provider community. Does that make sense? Um, And so sometimes I'm defending the uh, insurance industry, um, but I feel like I'm trying to, we're we're a bridge between the provider and the payer communities because the the provider community speak Japanese and the payer communities speak Portuguese and we're fluent in both. Um, But the more that folks come on here and they, kind of express the pain that they are seeing in their own practices, especially with inflation and especially with all of the improvements that you guys had to make with COVID and the whole staffing shortage of people just disappearing beats me. But, you know, I can't get a pizza delivered to my house when I, there's, you know, 20 kids about to burn the place down if we don't feed them. Like, that's a problem. So, uh, no, staffing's a problem. Right. Staffing's a problem across the United States. And, uh, you know, that's one thing we focused on all of our practices, you know, are looking for stable staff. I don't know where everybody went after COVID, uh, but uh, we are able to recruit good staff. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are there's a lot of moving parts in the dental marketplace now. Uh, uh, there's just a lot of things changing in the marketplace. And one thing that I say to endodontists that I talk to is, you know, you need to be aware of the changes that are going on. You can't practice like you did in 1982 because the market will pass you by. And I think that's one of the attractions to companies like ours is, you know, we're on top of things. We understand the market. We we see where things are going. We understand how you can negotiate better supply rates and better equipment rates and better insurance rates when you have numbers and when you are across the United States. It's all very important uh, to the bottom line. It's also very important to provide the, you know, top equipment and the most recent technology and education and, you know, everything costs money these days. You know, nothing's free. And, uh, we, we try to do what we can to make all of our practices just as high end and top notch technologically, educationally and uh, patient friendly as as possible. Amen. So one more time, uh, Dr. Terrell Proper, I'd like to thank you very much for being on our show. It is an honor if you if. Our listeners out there in dental business land uh, would like to reach um, somebody at a 
well, it wouldn't be you, right? It would be um, who at Endodontic Practice Partners would they want to reach out? Is there a one eight hundred awesome endo or something? Well, you know, since your listeners have heard from me and they see my picture, I think you're perfectly welcome to reach out to me personally. It's Dr. Terrell Proper. Uh, my phone number is six one five four two two six seven zero two, or you can reach out. Uh, online to e- endodontic practice partners at eppendo.com. I almost gave the name of my practice that I had been with for 30 years. Uh, I almost forgot and gave them the plug, but happy to talk. Uh, if you call, I may refer you to one somebody in our development department. Uh, Alex Nolte is our senior director of development, but certainly you can start with me and then I can get you to the right person that can answer the questions. Okay. That's terrific. Uh, Terrell, again, thank you so much. Um, thank and you. this is your host, all of our listeners. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, as a reminder, the show is sponsored by me. Uh, that's right. So if you'd like the content, great. You can always hit me up at info at practicequotient.com or check me out at patrickorourke.me um, in, in Instagram somewhere too. Um, if you didn't like the show, please take it up with our sponsors. Um, and thank you very much for your time. Until next time, this is Patrick O'Rourke.